This is the last Sunday before the seasons of Septuagesima and Lent. And a week from now, we will begin the nearly two-month-long season of penance until Easter. On the last Sunday before we enter this time of year, I'd like to talk about something a, a bit on the lighter side before we enter the, the doom and gloom. And this year, I want to talk about the Desert Fathers of Egypt. In the first couple of centuries of the church, during the persecutions, there were vast numbers of hermits and monks who lived in the deserts of Egypt. They lived a life of almost superhuman austerity and virtue, and contempt of the world and the flesh. We have some of their sayings and lessons that people wrote down at the time, and I thought I would tell you some of these little anecdotes about these holy men that are often inspiring and teach an important lesson. And some of them are actually very amusing, and, and it it's kind of makes for entertaining reading, which is why I wanted to talk about it today. There was once a monk who went to visit a monastery near Mount Sinai, and he saw the monks outside working in the garden and growing their food. And he said to them, Why do you work for the bread that perisheth? Mary has chosen the better part, namely to sit at the feet of the Lord without working. He was referring to the, the passage in the Gospel with St. Mary Magdalene and St. Martha, where St. Martha was working to prepare a meal, and St. Mary Magdalene was sitting at the feet of our Lord, listening. And our Lord said that what St. Mary Magdalene was doing was better. So when the monk went into the monastery... The abbot told the monks to give this visitor a book and tell him to just go into an empty cell and and sit there and read his book. And the rest of the monks went on with their day and didn't disturb this monk until around the end of the day, the monk, the visitor, visiting monk, began to become hungry. And he thought it was strange that no one had called him out to come and eat dinner. So he went out and he found the abbot and he asked him, did the monks not eat any meals today? And the abbot said, oh yes, we just finished dinner. And the monk said, well, why didn't you tell me? And the abbot said, you are a spiritual man. You don't need the food that perisheth. We have to work, but you have chosen the better part. And so the monk realized his error, his, his mistake in zeal, and he humbly asked the abbot to forgive him for what he had said. Some of these stories are ways in which these monks were taught the correct path of virtue. <clears throat> There's another similar story about a famous hermit named St. John the Dwarf, that one day he said to his superior, I want to live in the same security that the angels have, and not have to do work so that I can serve God constantly without being interrupted. And he left behind everything he had, and he went out into the desert to live by himself, to, to live like an angel, as he said. Well, this didn't last very long. After a week or so, he realized this was not going to work. He couldn't survive out there. So he came back to the monastery, and he knocked on the door. And the abbot inside, he called out through the door, and he said, Who's there? And St. John said, This is John. And the abbot called out again through the door. He said, John has become an angel and is no longer among men. But St. John kept knocking on the door, and finally, when the abbot opened it, 
He said, if you are a man, you have to start working again in order to live. And St. John said, forgive me for I have sinned. And he, he came back to the monastery. There was once a monk who asked the abbot if holy people always know whether they have the gift of miracles or not. And the abbot said, no, a person does not always know that. He told him a story that there was once a hermit who had a disciple who had done something bad. And the hermit must have been very upset because he told his disciple to drop dead. And the disciple instantly fell dead to the ground. And the hermit was, was horrified at seeing this. And immediately he prayed to God to bring his disciple back to life. And he promised never to say anything like that again. And immediately his disciple was raised from the dead. Some of these hermits lived in extreme levels of seclusion from others. There was one holy man named Abbot Arsenius who lived in a cell that was 32 miles from his nearest neighbor, and he loved being alone with God there. Whatever food he needed was brought by some monks. But gradually the area he lived in began to be filled with monks and hermits, people wanting to flee the world like he had until the place was so filled with hermits that he he kept running into people out there in the desert. So he had to find another, even more remote place in the desert to live. And he left weeping, and he said, Worldly men have ruined Rome, and monks have ruined my desert. It's just amazing to see the ages of faith here, how, how many people wanted to serve God by living in the desert. And there's a vast tradition of sanctity and spirituality that we get from these early fathers of the desert of the first centuries. In Egypt, mainly, that I'm talking about today, we're not just talking about 10 or 20 people here. The holy writers have described the deserts of Egypt as being absolutely filled with monks and hermits living this incredibly difficult life out of zeal for God. There was one monk who lay dying, and his brethren came and surrounded his bed, praying for him and weeping for him. But he opened his eyes, and he laughed. He laughed three times. And they asked him, how can you laugh while we are weeping? And he said, I laughed the first time because you fear death. I laughed again because you are not ready for death. And I laughed the third time because I am about to go to my rest from my labors. And as soon as he said that, he closed his eyes and passed away. There's another interesting conversation that one of the monks had with his abbot. He said, if I give something good to one of the other monks, if I give him some food, for example, or I help him in some way, it seems like the devils spoil everything I do because I don't think I do it out of a pure motive. I only do this work, it seems to me, in order to please other human beings and receive their appreciation and gratitude. And the abbot gave him an answer that was very wise. He said, even if this good work that you do is only done to please man, we still have to help others in any case, regardless. Then he told him a story. He said, imagine two farmers in a village. One of them sows his field and he gets only a small amount of food that doesn't grow very well at all. 
The other farmer doesn't sow anything at all, so he gets no food at all from his farm. He asked the monk, which of these farmers is more likely to survive if there's a famine? The monk said, well, the one who at least sows something, even if his crop is not very good. And the abbot said, then let us also sow our good works too, even if our return is something small and poor, <clears throat> meaning our spiritual reward. Because if we don't do any good works at all, then certainly we will starve in, in a spiritual sense. This is something to think about as Lent approaches. And people say, for example, I get very crabby when I fast and I commit sins of impatience, so maybe it would be better if I don't fast. And the answer is that it's better to fast even a little bit and at least get some merit than to do nothing at all. One of the funniest stories I read was that there was one time the devil appeared to one of these monks and he, he disguised himself as a holy angel. And he appeared in, in glory to this monk. And he said, I am the angel Gabriel. I have been sent to you by God. And the monk said, no, think again. You must have been sent to someone else. I haven't done anything to deserve a visit from an angel. And the devil immediately vanished. The devil was trying to tempt him to pride and vanity, and so he didn't succeed. There's another very interesting story about a monk who told his abbot that he had prayed to God to take away all his passions and all his temptations so that he wouldn't sin. And God had heard his prayer. He said to his spiritual father, he said, I am now completely at rest. I have no more temptations ever. And he was very happy about this. But his spiritual father said, no, go and pray to God again to give you some spiritual struggle because the soul only becomes stronger by fighting temptation. So the monk did this. And when he began to be tempted again to sin, <coughs> instead of praying for the temptation to be taken away, he only prayed to God to give him strength to overcome. This is an important idea to remember, an important lesson for all of us, too. There was another story about a couple of monks who lived in a monastery and who one day went to visit various hermits in various places of the desert. So monks are people who live in a community, in a monastery together, but, but hermits live just in a little hut or in a cave just by themselves out in the desert. So they wanted to visit some of these hermits. So when they came to the first hermit, he received them with joy, and he saw that they were tired from their long journey through the desert. And he told them they should eat dinner right away, even though it wasn't time yet, since they must be hungry from their trip. He was just trying to be hospitable, and he brought out all the food he had available to give to his guests. So that night, when, when they were supposed to be sleeping... This hermit overheard these two monks talking to each other about their visit so far, and they were saying, these hermits eat more food than we get to eat in the monastery. And they were maybe thinking of becoming hermits too or leaving their monastery. And the hermit realized he had made a mistake in the way he treated these monks. So the next morning, the monks were going to leave and visit the next hermit on their on their list, and, and so the, the, the hermit said to them, tell, tell him I said hello when you get there, and tell him to be careful not to water the vegetables. 
And this was a coded message, meaning telling him not to encourage these monks in their, their mistake. So when the monks got to the next hermitage, they gave that hermit the message of the previous hermit, and he understood what the message meant. So he did everything he could to dissuade them from becoming hermits. First, he made them sit down and weave baskets, which is something these, these hermits in the desert did to make a tiny amount of money to buy a little food. And he sat down and he worked with them for hours on these baskets as soon as they got there from this long trip. When evening came, he made the evening prayer much longer than usual. And when they were finally done with all this work and prayer, he said to the monks, we hermits don't usually eat every single day out here in the desert. But since you are here today, you are my guests. So I will give you a little bit of supper for a change. And so he gave them some dried bread crusts and some salt. And these hermits ate quite a bit of salt because of the great heat in the desert. And then he said, since you are my guests, I will give you a special t treat. And he gave them some vinegar and salt and some oil to put on these, these crusts of bread. And then when the, these monks, these poor monks had eaten this meager food, he said, now it's time to pray again. And he kept them praying the Psalms until almost the next morning. The two monks were practically starved and, and worn out by the time the sun was starting to rise. But the hermit said, well, I usually pray a lot more than this, but you seem to be a bit tired from your trip, so we'll cut the prayers short today so that you two can get some rest. And by now, the, the two monks were desperate to get out of this place, but the hermit wouldn't let them leave. He said, please stay for me for at least a few days. I owe you at least that much hospitality. And the monks were terrified at hearing this, and as soon as night fell, they snuck out of the hermitage, and they went back to their monastery and decided to stay there. One day in a monastery, there was a great feast day, so the monks were having a bit of a nicer meal than usual. And there was one of the monks there, when the waiter came to bring him his food, he said to the waiter, I don't eat any cooked food. Just bring me a little bit of salt. That was all he was going to eat that day. So, so the waiter called out to another waiter and he said loudly, he said, this one here doesn't eat cooked food. Please just bring him some salt. And the abbot heard this because they had said this so loudly that everyone could hear it. And the abbot stood up and he said to the, the one who wanted to eat nothing but salt, he said, it would have been better if you had eaten meats alone in your cell today, which would have been a serious violation of their rule, than to let this thing be heard in the presence of so many brethren. Because the monk was only saying that for his own glory, so that everyone would hear that he doesn't eat food, nothing except salt. His motive was bad, and it was obviously not true to begin with, since no one can live on salt. But the monks had a serious side to them, too. There was once an old monk who saw someone laughing one day, and he said to him, We will one day have to answer for our whole life in the presence of the Lord of heaven and earth, and you can laugh. They took, took life very seriously. Not all the monks were all that holy, though, either. There was one abbot who had a, a Bible written on parchment, 
that was very beautiful and worth a lot of money. Books were incredibly expensive in those days. And one day an evil monk came to visit him, and he asked if he could see this beautiful Bible. And when no one was looking, he, he took the Bible and left. So when the abbot went to, to read his Bible later in the day, he saw that it was gone, and he realized that that monk had stolen it. But he didn't want to pursue the monk, because he figured the monk would just lie about it and commit even more sins. So this, this thief, the monk, the bad monk, took the book to a book dealer in the local town, and he asked the book dealer to give him 16 pence for this book. The bookseller asked if he could borrow the book for a while to have it appraised, to see if see what he should pay for it, and the, the, the bad monk agreed to this. As soon as the book dealer had this Bible, he took it straight to the nearest person who knew about such things, who happened to be the abbot of the monastery that the bookseller that the book had originally belonged to, although of course the book dealer didn't know that the abbot was its rightful owner. So he went there and he showed the book to the abbot and he said, can you please tell me if this book is worth 16 pence? Someone brought this to my shop today and he wants to sell it for me for that much money. And the abbot looked at the book and said, yes, that is definitely worth it. So the book dealer brought the, the book to the, to the thief and he gave him the money and he said, here you go. Yes, I'll buy this book. I asked the, the abbot if it was worth what you were asking and he said, yes, it was. It was definitely worth it. Well, when the thief heard that this book dealer had brought this stolen Bible straight to the abbot he had stolen it from, he was terrified, and he said, Was that all he said to you? Didn't he say anything else? And the bookseller said, No, that's all he said. <coughs> and so the monk said, I changed my mind. This book is not for sale after all. And he took the book and he went straight back to the abbot and he asked him with tears to forgive him for what he had done. And the abbot told him he could keep the book if he wanted anyway, but the monk insisted on giving it back, and he had a conversion, and he spent the rest of his life in that monastery under that abbot and did penance. <clears throat> there was an abbot once who went on a long trip, and when night fell, he went to a pyramid where the bodies of the ancient Egyptians had been laid to rest, and he went in there to spend the night. Remember, this is Egypt, so there are things like that around. And he dragged over one of the mummies, and he put it under his head for a pillow, as one would do, I guess. I don't know. But the devils were upset at his great boldness and fearlessness in this, in this evil place, and they tried to scare him. They began to make the other mummies in this pyramid speak as if they were alive. And they made these, these other voices call out to the mummy that this monk was using as a pillow. They said to the mummy, Lady, come with us to the baths. And then the, the mummy that the monk was, was trying to uh, use as a pillow began to, to speak too. The devils were, were making voices come from that. And it said... This stranger is holding me down, so I can't come. But the monk was not frightened by these unearthly voices, and he just punched the mummy a few times, and he said, Get up and go swimming if you can. 
And the demons heard this and they, they left him in peace. Some of these hermits really took things to an extreme. There was one hermit named Dioscorus who lived on barley bread and lentils. And every year he would make a New Year's resolution about something he had, he had to do to improve his life. Just like we did a few weeks ago. But his resolutions were very different from any that, that we made, I'm sure. For example, one year he made a, a resolution. He said, I will not meet anyone this year. Another year he said, I will not speak this year. And, and then he said, I will not eat cooked food this year. And another year he, he made the resolution, I will not eat fruit or vegetables this year. So each year he improved his life in one small way like that. And that each new year he gave himself another goal like that, just like we do, and, and that's how he became a saint. There's another story that maybe we can relate to a bit better than that one, and this is the last one, where there was one monk who asked his spiritual father a question one day. He said, if there are two monks, one of whom prays all day long in his cell, and he fasts six days a week, and he does severe penance, and the other monk takes care of the sick, which of them is more pleasing to God? And the, the abbot said, if the monk who does all that penance were even to hang himself from the ceiling by the nose, he would still be not doing as much penance as the one who takes care of the sick. Of course, our life is very different from that of these ancient saints and ascetics, but at the very least, they put us to shame when we complain during Lent that we can't do a tiny amount of fasting or detach ourselves a tiny amount from the world. We should be generous with God and take our salvation seriously the way they did. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.